Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to, for once, a happy edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau. I'm from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Boys and girls, for the first time in three years, the Chicago Blackhawks have officially won a playoff game as they beat the Vegas Golden Knights three to one tonight. But before we start getting into anything else in this game, we just got to go there right away. Corey Crawford won the first game for the Blackhawks in three years. What a performance by him. One of the best in his playoff career. And if there was any doubt in any of your minds, what a good Corey Crawford can mean to the Chicago Blackhawks. You saw it tonight, and I just spiked my pen in celebration. <laughs> Please call him by his proper name, Corey Effing Crawford, by the way. That was a statement game by him. And, I mean, early on, he was giving up some rebounds. He was just sort of deflecting things, flying by the seat of his pants. What's crazy about it is that Corey Crawford, we know and love, is very calm, very positionally sound. This game, he was all over the place. He was Dominic Hoshik in this game, but he did what he had to do to get the Hawks to win. And he is the number one, number two, and number three star mm-hmm. of this game. He was absolutely outstanding. Ken Bachelman just said, as soon as I said it, Ken <laughs> typed it. One, two, three star of the game. Why, what? Who's typing what? Yes. Thank you for listening to the Madhouse podcast. We always appreciate it. We are once again on Hot Mike. Thanks to everybody who's tuned in. We've got over 50 viewers already, and we just got the show started. Appreciate that. If you're on the traditional Madhouse pod, welcome as always. You can get in touch with us, madhousepod at gmail.com. Twitter, we're at Madhouse Pod, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Madhouse Hockey CHI. Dude, they had no business winning that game, and I don't care. We've talked about this entire series, and even before the playoffs began, that the one thing this team has is character. One team this one thing this team has is the will to work their asses off. Mm-hmm. For, and you saw it tonight. They were outmatched, they were outgunned. They're not as good as Vegas. They did everything they needed to do to hang on and win that game, and they did it. And I I don't know. Look, it was ugly. Winning ugly, that's definitely what it was. But if you're not proud to be a Blackhawks fan after that win, I don't know what to do for you. Yep, there were some bad things. Yep, some guys didn't play well. 
But you know what? They did what they had to do to win. And for one night, let's celebrate. Let's have a good time because this could be, this could be Corey Crawford's last playoff win as a Blackhawks goaltender. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that when they're eliminated. But if this is the, his last win, it's going to be memorable as hell. Oh, my goodness. Like, I just, words cannot even describe that game by Corey Crawford tonight. It was one of the best goaltending performances I've seen from a Hawks goalie in my entire life. Just unreal, unflappable. There were a few times that Corey Crawford did kind of show some emotion I saw tonight, which was kind of cool. He just, whether it was anger at his teammates for, I don't know, leaving him out to dry all the time. Like, we're going to get to that, I assure you. But my goodness, after talking about how much like the breaks just would not go the Blackhawks way in this series, no matter what they tried to do under any circumstances, it was nice that finally tonight we had Robin Leonard go double agent on us. We had with the headbutt goal into the back of the net, which I'm still not quite sure what that was all about. And then just every shot the Golden Knights took, it just seemed like found Crawford's pads and then didn't find another night. And it was just it it was probably as single handed of a victory as you are going to see. To to me, it was like game five of the 09 conference final where Cristobal Huey, I think, made 45 saves and the Blackhawks still lost to the Red Wings. It's like that, except the Blackhawks won. And I kept as, like feeling like, oh, God, this is going to happen at any moment. This goal is going to happen at any moment. And it felt like they're not going to score a third goal. There's no way a third goal is coming for the Blackhawks, sort of an empty net. So as, as soon as Vegas would tie it at two, I kind of felt like if they get to two, this game's over because the Hawks have nothing. They're not generating anything offensively. Um, but man, like I said, they just held on and uh, Corey Crawford just absolutely unbelievable. But I don't look Corey Crawford's a story for sure. But just look at these Hawks, man, just balling out, doing everything they can to win this game, doing everything they can to stave off elimination, block shots, uh, you know, taking huge hits in front. Connor Murphy at the end of the game, clears out the crease like we haven't seen since the 80s. It's like they know. This team knows they're overmatched, and the only chance they have is to give everything they've got 100% of the time, and I feel pretty comfortable saying they did that tonight. I would 100% agree with you. I know that obviously we're going to get to some of the negative of this game quite obviously, and there was quite a bit of it, but at the same time, like you said, they're just really – there's no quit in this team, man. They really – have done a great job throughout these playoffs, no matter what circumstances they've been faced with, no matter what deficit they've been faced with. This team has been busting their hump and they've been trying everything that they could do. And frankly, Vegas threw everything that they could at them tonight. I think this was the best game. This might be a hot take, so I apologize already. This is the best game Vegas has played in this series And the Blackhawks still won the freaking game because nothing in this series makes any damn sense. All right. I just pulled up natural stat trick and uh, I advise you to not do this. I'm doing this so you don't have to. All situations. Okay. Not five on five. All situations. Vegas had 94 shot attempts. 94. At even strength or at five on five, rather 74. A 71.84 Corsi advantage at even strength for the Knights. And the Hawks won this game by two goals. It's almost unbelievable to think that this game turned out the way it did. But it did. And again, let's enjoy it, man. It's just, I I did not expect this, especially when I saw the the way the game was sort of starting. I was like, Hawks don't look like, you know, they've looked better in other games in this series. For sure. Uh, They seem more prepared in other games in this series. And man, but I think there, part of it comes to like, as the game goes on and as your goalie's playing this way, there's this desire for the team to like, we can't be the ones to screw this up. What he's doing out there is superhuman. Mm-hmm. And if I screw this up for him and I give up a breakaway or a two on one, or I fumble a puck, I can't live with myself. I can't do that to Corey. I think that was a big part of it too, that these guys did not want to let him down after everything he did. I'm sorry, by the way, I'm adjusting my computer. I got like a little like ghost glare over my head and I'm trying to do something about it. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, so that's, that's I see that. It actually looks like you're uh, basking in the glow of Corey Crawford's amazingness. I think that's what it is. I'm doing it for my Madhouse podcast studios in heaven. I am. <laughs> you somehow died from watching that game. All right. It's just I know you were just looking at natural stat trick, Jay, but do you want to tell the people who had the best Corsi in that game tonight and what it was? Does it? Oh boy. Okay, I'm going to look. The leader. For the Chicago Blackhawks in Corsi 4 percentage, Oli Mata. You want to take a guess? Do you know? I'm already looking at it. Yeah. 41.94%. <laughs> My God. <laughs> he, he was, was the like, only Blackhawk over 40%. He was 13 shot attempts for 18 against with him on the ice. Bringing up the rear for the old uh, mighty Blackhawks, Kelvin DeHaan, who had a really bad game. Worst game I've seen him play as a Blackhawk. He was so bad tonight. And I will also say we're going to get to this, I'm sure, but not all his fault. I'll tease that one for later in the show. 10% Corsi. This is at five on five. Wow. For Kevin DeHaan. Four shot attempts for 36 against. That's hard to do. (laughs) That's hard to do. Somebody somebody pointed out during the game, and I felt like this was very accurate. I was keeping a pretty close eye on Alex Needlander's Corsi, by the way. One shot attempt four and 15 against in the first period for an Alex Nylander. Somebody pointed out, you almost you almost can't even do that if you're actively trying to be that bad. And yet, Calvin DeHaan was a 10% with 40 freaking shot attempts combined. Yeah. All right, let's, stop, let's stop the Corsi numbers. They won the game. The number that matters is three to one. Bingo. The Blackhawks won the game three to one. And uh, it was a, again, it's an effort you can be proud of. This team is overmatched. We've talked about it the entire series. Vegas is way better. Vegas is a cup favorite. The Blackhawks are not, and it's showing. But, man, for one night, they balled out. And, uh, again, just an, a really solid and ballsy performance. Everything all right over there? No, man? everything's not all right. I'm trying to get the damn light out of my – there we go. <laughs> all right. <sighs> Finally, I can settle down now. Okay, so do we want to talk about – Let's just, you know what? Let's start with it. Why don't we start with some positives? Like, were there performances tonight that particularly stood out to you? And I know we will not go into any more detail about Corsi. We all know the Blackhawks suck possession-wise tonight. But who out of the Blackhawks players, not named Corey Crawford, who stood out to a Jay Zawoski tonight? Two guys come to mind. Uh, Alex Debrinkit, another solid game. Uh, starting to feel for the dude, man. Just, like, cannot buy a goal. Thank God he got the empty netter. I said to my wife, hope we were watching the game together. I'm like, my wife. My wife. I'm glad to bring it out there right now because there's a shot that he gets a chance at the empty net. Uh, you want to talk about all out effort? That's what the bring kids been probably what since game two mm-hmm. when he sort of was like, screw this. I'm better than this. I am better than I'm playing. I need to assert myself a little more. And he's been one of the better Hawks. I should say three guys. Kirby Doc was good again physical possessing the puck yep i my one complaint with him and it's been a complaint with him all year is he has to know when it's time to stick handle in close he had an opportunity driving to the net where he tried to pull it to the forehand again that's a tough move to make when you're in that close in an nhl game he's gonna learn just roof a backhander or shoot sooner or whatever but he'll learn from that and i think everyone hates him but Oli Mata again with a beautiful assist you know, peeks over his shoulder, puts it right to Drake Kajula where it needs to be, and Kajula makes mis- no mistake. And let me mention him, too. I love the simplicity of Drake Kajula's game. Yeah. He plays north and south. He plays physical. He goes and gets the puck. You know, I, 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 you can't have too many guys like Drake Kajula. And I, we have to mention Matthew Highmore again, who, again, is aggressive, again, is going into corners and winning races and scoring goals. That's how you win games. You're, abs- you're absolutely up. right about that, man. And I I did want to bring up Drake Kajula. I just loved, we have always talked with Drake Kajula. What does he do well? He is able to play either top six or bottom six because he can transition his game from being offensive first to being more of a grit and physicality kind of guy. And we got the whole package tonight with Drake Kajula. He had seven hits in this game, was just all over the ice tonight, had two shots on goal, including the goal that he did end up scoring. 
just a great all-around effort from Drake Kajula and just goes to show that while he may end up getting squeezed out just because of cap considerations or whatever, his versatility is extremely valuable to this Blackhawks team. And I don't think that there is enough that you can honestly say about him. And I honestly, I wanted to also shout out big time tonight, the fourth line for the Blackhawks tonight, which I thought has been one of the better like energy lines in this series. And tonight, especially they were so good. Like I kept seeing Matthew Highmore all over the place when that line was on David camp. Of course, we've talked about in these playoffs as softer hands than we thought has more offensive upside, maybe than we thought. And obviously an incredibly gifted penalty killer, that penalty kill still dominant tonight. Again, even in a game that Vegas just dominated possession and they dominated at basically every facet of the game our penalty kill for the Blackhawks still looked incredible and then Ryan Carpenter also just doesn't get talked about enough like all of those guys like they had the motor going tonight I wish the entire team would always play like that line does but man they're even in a game where it was like okay Corey Crawford stole the show give him all kudos put him on a throne there were guys like that fourth line who absolutely I thought deserved it and I did want to mention one other thing before I forget I had a listener mentioned it was Luke's little 81 in the chat. Uh, Kirby Doc did look a little bit out of gas at the end of the game, but I did want to give him credit too because he took, I think it was in the second period, he took a real hard hit in this game and yeah. was clearly in pain on the ice. And that dude just kind of shook it off and he kept playing. And I don't know how badly like that potentially like would have hurt him but i just love the fact that he kept grinding and he kept you know just he's a warrior out there man and this kid has the potential to be something special and i love that he's already got that hard-nosed attitude and he's willing to fight through that kind of pain uh, a couple of people have asked about the block shots officially the blackhawks bl- blocked 32 shots on goal uh end of the game vegas ended the game with 49 shots on goal 25 for the blackhawks so uh, you got the 49 shots and the 32 blocks. Do the math. That's a lot of shots. Uh, but again, that's the indicator. The, the the difference in a game, and I don't know if it can be the difference in a series, but the difference in a game is you're playing like ass, but all you can do is work and outwork the opponent. And I think the Hawks have done that for the majority of this series. They've worked really hard, and that's why these games have been close. That's why they've they've had a chance. And yeah, Vegas is better. There's no doubt about it. They're deeper. But for the most part, the Hawks aren't getting blown out. They're getting blown out in the metrics, but they're not getting blown out on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. They're they're get, generating a ton of scoring chances against, but damn it, they're doing everything they can to keep them out of the net and uh, and just hang on. And they did it. I can't believe they did it tonight. It just felt like <laughs> at some point they're going to run out of gas, and somehow they ended up with the win. It's absolutely unbelievable. I'm just I'm trying to think of like how the hell are we supposed to get ready for Game Five after a game like that? Like. What do you even say to like prepare for that? Like, I don't even want to think about it right now. I just kind of want to, I want to let this like wash over me just so I can keep enjoying the awesomeness that was this game. And I also did, I wanted to maybe get back to one other like potential storyline that I wanted to mention just because we already talked about Kirby Doc potentially looking hurt. What do you think about Jonathan Tabes, man? He's, uh, He's looking a little banged up to me. He's looking a little bit slow. I know it looked like Colleton was at least a little bit at the beginning of the game, kind of monitoring his ice time a little bit. I pointed out on Twitter that Alex Nylander had more time on ice in the first period than Jonathan Taves did. And he obviously got his fair share of shifts as the game went on, ended up playing 16.53 tonight. But it really seems to me like they're trying to kind of monitor and watch Taves' minutes. Something's up. I mean, he was by far their best player in the in the series against Edmonton, and now in this series through four games, he's got one assist and is not generating much. Now, part of it is that I don't think Calton is doing a good enough job of getting him out there in advantageous situations, and they've had the home ice last change advantage for the last two games, and the last two games to me have been Taves' poorest games. Maybe he's just saying, go out there and keep the puck out of the net for us and hope the other three lines score, but yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see more from him again. The effort's always there with him. He's trying hard. He's doing everything he can. But it's funny to see the jump from dominant on all ends of the ice against Edmonton to a non-factor in the offensive zone against Vegas. And and I guess that sort of goes to, you know, the depth thing is is they've Vegas has more tools to stop Jonathan Taves than Edmonton did. Gotta gotta agree with you on that. Just obviously making him work a lot harder, most likely, and they're very clearly 
targeting him physically too. I think they're really going after him with uh, their checking game and with there's just like, they're constantly harassing him. It seems like whenever he's on the ice and it's pretty obvious to me that that's something that's probably having a little bit of an effect on him really good for the Blackhawks that they are going to have a day off tomorrow. Like, thank God that this isn't the back to back because man, Tabes looks like he definitely needs a day off. Did we miss any uh, Blackhawk performances that really stood out to you tonight? Any uh, good ones before we start to transition into a little bit more of the uh, sad notes? I'm not sure. I th- one thing I'd like to say, I know we mentioned Kajula. Um, I know everyone's at their wits end with Nylander. It's apparent they're not going to take him out. Um, I don't know if you take him out after a win. But, dude, give Drake Kajula some power play time. Mm. You know, you want to talk about, about a guy who's got some scoring ability that's willing to go in front of the net in battle, that's willing to go, you know, take a, the puck away from somebody along the boards. Nylander's a passenger. He's a soft player. And every team has soft guys that can be contributors. I get that. But he's not contributing. He's not doing anything. Put Kajula on the power play. Put him in the Andrew Shaw role where he just gets in people's faces, annoys people. He's a little guy. He can sort of sneak in there. You know, I... I'm that's the change I'm making for game five. Uh, we should mention Dylan Strom too. a lot of people on the chat mentioning it. Strom had a strong game. He's had a couple strong games in a row here. Um, as strong of, of a game as you can have when you get absolutely housed in possession, <laughs> uh, but just, you know, visually the eye test Strom was one of the better Hawks too. And you're seeing that, you know, uh, a little more aggressive mm-hmm. I, it happened a couple times in this game on the power play where a Hawk has the puck next to the goalie along the goal line and they don't even consider turning around and trying to score they're looking for that pass it happened with Taves in the first and it happened with Strom in the I think it was the third I believe you're correct but Strom later connected on the tic-tac-toe pass it didn't go in but they connected on it um and Strom with a great shot block too so yeah, there, there's there are some positives in this game. I, I just warn you, we did it for you. Don't go to natural stat trick. Just don't. You don't want <laughs> you don't to wall. look at the heat map. You don't want to look at the shift <laughs> no. chart. You don't want to look at the progression. You want to look at nothing. All you yeah. want to look at is that number 50 jersey in your closets and go, you're my boy, Blue. That's all you want to do. That's all you should do. Yeah, he was absolutely awesome. Corey Crawford is the story of this game. A lot of people uh, jumping in on the tip jar. Thank you very much for doing this. We've got a high viewership that we've had on these hot mics so far we've got uh, nearly 100 people in here watching us so thanks if you want to join us after game five feel free download that hot mic app use that promo code madhouse even if you can't join us download the app enter the promo code that helps out james and i very very much uh, i want to tell you about our sponsors triple threat sports for all your team out- outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 and of course marishka's and crest hill Family owned and operated since 1933. Joe Zadralovich was texting me during the game about Corey Crawford, just overwhelmed by his performance. That's how you're going to feel about a Mariska's poor boy. It is the Corey Crawford of poor boys. Okay. But there's no weak glove hand on it. Not at all. It's just floating in garlic butter. It is one of the best things you'll ever eat, but that's not all they have. They got steaks, chops, seafood, the twice baked potato, the onion rings, everything at Mariska's is terrific. And again, a place that's been around since 1933 you know they're doing something right. Visit marishkas.com or go to facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. And those of you on Hot Mike, see that I can do these reads from memory now, damn it. <laughs> I, well, I, thought what I, I thought when I mentioned the Corey Crawford jersey in the closet, you were going triple threat, man. I, I did, did it eventually, but yes, yeah. you can order a Corey Crawford jersey from Triple Threat. <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can. I tried, man. I, I was. I sometimes like to try to tee you up for our reads, and most of the time you pick it up. I feel like that one maybe was just a little too sneaky of a shot. So I liked I, it. Yeah. Um, Sorry, man. We're we're going through a lot. We're seeing a lot of questions in the chat tonight on Hot Mike, and we really do appreciate all of those. Make sure you just continue to send them in. I did see a question from Drubles that I did want to uh, mention here real quick. The Blackhawks are the youngest team in the playoffs. Why were they exhausted? I think it's pretty evident of just why they are, at least to me. It's because, A, Vegas is so insanely deep and they never take a shift off. That relentlessness will wear on a team, especially in a situation of back-to-back games, kind of like the Blackhawks are in. The uh, Another thing is that the Blackhawks maybe still are like, – they're getting there, but like the conditioning – 
after that long of a layoff is always going to be a potential issue. And then just the sheer physicality of Vegas, man. I don't think Chicago is used to playing four straight games against a team that can do the kind of things the Vegas Golden Knights can do in terms of physicality. And I just think that that's something that as you get more into the NHL, especially these younger guys, you kind of learn to stay away from and to kind of withstand. But when you're first dealing with it, especially if you're a Kirby Doc or an Adam Boquist, that is so freaking tough in your first playoff run. Yeah, well, and keep in mind, too, they're defending the whole game. Like, think about a power play versus a penalty kill. It's a lot easier endurance-wise to be on the power play than it is to be on the penalty kill. You're running around. You're trying to chase down pucks. You're trying to win battles to the boards to get the puck out of the zone. That's how the Hawks spent most of this game. That's more tiring. That's more exhausting. The other thing is, and Pat Foley mentioned this, I think, during game two, during the stoppage, most of the guys from Vegas stayed together and worked out and played and did their best to stay in shape, and they do have that bit of an advantage. I'm not sure if that was, like, uh, legal. Like, should they have been doing that? Like, was the league aware that was happening? I don't know. Uh, I know Nevada had some looser rules in some other states, and that could be part of it. Um, But Vegas stayed together. They were working out harder than any team during the layoff. And, look, that's Vegas saying, we're stacked. We're Stanley Cup maybe not favorites, but certainly contenders. Mm-hmm. Let's not let this thing slip away. If we come back and play, we've got to be ready to go. And they have been, and you can see it. The Hawks are playing at a hundred percent intensity all the time. Vegas to this point still looks like 85, 90%. And again, I still think that tonight was their best all around performance and the Blackhawks still won yeah. the game. And also keep in mind that Vegas did this without Paul Stastny yet again tonight. So it's like, they're still not even at full strength. So that's <laughs> so nuts man hey we've got another game to talk about and that's that's at least exciting. one and then more. more because they're coming back and winning my friend that's exactly right we've got the cory crawford will never give up a goal again and we'll have time to sort of reflect on how this performance um changes perceptions of cory crawford i don't know I, I think if you're not a believer by now you're never going to be but, man, for a guy who gets to, got off to a slow start in the series, gave up a, uh, probably a soft goal in every game so far, the bounce back in this one, and the one in game four against Edmonton, two stellar performances by Corey Crawford in these in – these, yep. I just said podcasts because uh, I read the word. Since we're back on our Corey Crawford effusive praise hour brought to you by, I don't know, probably Marishka's tonight, I'm guessing, would uh, they would yeah. – yeah, they'd sponsor the, you know, effusiveness. Dmitry Filipovich, according to our buddy Soup Nazi in the ch- – or not Soup Nazi. I know English, I promise. It's Soup Daddy. Not a Seinfeld reference. It's Soup Daddy. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> so he uh, pointed out to us in the chat that Dmitry Filipovich had a great stat about playoff goalies facing the most high-danger shots so far in this postseason. Cam Talbot has 51 against – Darcy Kemper for the Coyotes is at 55. Braden Holtby for the Caps at 57. Jonas Corposalo, who, by the way, played in a five-overtime game for the Blue Jackets the other day, has 65. Corey Crawford, number one, 90 high-danger shots faced so far in the postseason. That is an insane statistic. He out paces the dude who played a five overtime game outpaces him by 25 shots he's like denny lemieux in Slapshot, the first scene where he's like he's uh, hallucinating during the intermission because he's he's like so uh he's got so much ptsd going on a couple of people asking in the chat i think it's angelo who started the talk who's a better blackhawks goalie in franchise history uh, I think the guy with the arguments, Tony Esposito, when you go look at all the records, he's still at the top of almost every category, but go to hockeyreference.com, hockey slash reference.com and go to franchise leaders and look at the goalie stats and not just the counting stats, not just things you accumulate by being on the team for a long time, but goals against um, gain, what goals save above average save percentage, all those things. Corey Crawford is at or in the top three or four in almost all of those categories. Mm. Oh, yeah, and he won two Stanley Cups. Also has the two rings, baby. Never forget that ever. I All right, this this question is coming up in the chat, and I do have to – I got to ask you now that we're talking about goaltending, who's in net for Vegas in game five? Is it Leonard or is it a Marc-Andre Fleury? Um, it's nice to have such, an, such good options. <laughs> um, I don't think Leonard was bad. 
by any means. I that that goal from you know the goal from uh, Highmore wasn't great, but I think he was caught off guard by the shot and then just tried to like do something with it, and he headbutted it in. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll go with Flurry. That's by the way. That is Robin Leonard's first loss as a Golden Knight. And by the way, yeah. How many times were they going to bring that up on the uh, broadcast the last couple of times that he's played? By the way, he's never lost ever. Blah blah blah. Which one were you watching? Uh, that was NBCSN made that reference several times, and oh. also in some uh, intermission shows and stuff. It's just like, yeah, Robin Leonard still hasn't lost as a member of the night. Shush. Shush. I get more annoyed about Pat complaining now. Oh, you know, we don't have control of the replays. Like, we understand there's a <laughs> pandemic. Everyone is in one building. Stop bitching about the lack of replay. We understand. No one's mad at you, Pat. Stop complaining. It drives me crazy. Like, oh, we can get a replay if we ever wanted here. We'd be in much better shape. Also, also another uh a coverage take, I guess we would call this. Uh-oh. I think that Doc Emmerich and Pat Foley have gotten a lot better in terms of calling a game off a of television and the last like two or three games that they've done. Like I, I thought it was night and day for uh, Doc yesterday. I thought he sounded fantastic. I thought the first game I heard him do, he sounded real out of sorts. I think they're all adjusting really admirably and really well with some really trying circumstances. Uh, for his style, for Doc Emmerich's style of play-by-play, it's really tough. Because he, just like John Weideman, he's telling you everything that's happening. Everything that's happening. Pat Foley, and I love Pat Foley. Pat Foley is the reason I got into broadcasting. Uh, but his style is more, and here's a draw, back to the point, to Murphy. He's just kind of like, he's not giving you every play-by-play detail. So it fits his style better, but I agree. They've both gotten much better at doing it remotely uh, than they did. And look, that that's really doing play-by-play hockey is tough as hell anyway. Yeah. In the best of circumstances, let alone I'm in some uh, TV truck, you know, a couple thousand miles away trying to see who's got the puck. It's tough. And I know like last night uh, in game three, he was getting uh, confused about like, is it doc? Is it Strom? You're just seeing, the right number on the jersey because it's the only view you have. Uh, but I, I agree. I think Foley has done a really good job, and so is uh, Doc Emmerich. Not a surprise. Like I said, I just I feel like it's been an adjustment period for them, and I think that they've both done really well. You can definitely tell that those dudes are just professionals, man, and they're really they were they're doing a great job. And the NBC, I think I know I work for them. This is going to be huge conflicts of interest. I think has been doing better as well as the playoffs have gone on. And I do like some of the camera angles that they're able to use in the arenas, especially that overhead view on yeah. the power play. I love that. I like that too. But then I also find myself getting stressed out. Like I can't see what's happening, even though I can clearly see what's happening <laughs> like, it's right there. But for whatever reason, for watching hockey for you know 35 years whatever it's been for me in the one angle seeing that like above i'm like whoa i feel like i'm flying i'm peter pan flying over the game <laughs> it has to feel for me where i'm like i'm not in charge of what i'm seeing and i don't like it and what i did and i had the same thing and then that grew on me too was the uh, a couple years ago they did, debuted the behind the net power play cam yep you can see like almost like a fish eye and i didn't like that at first but i'm like i really see how things are moving here and i sort of like it that way um, anyway, uh, people keep little- mentioning in the chat, by the way, in case you're listening to this podcast tomorrow, there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth because the NHL has announced the Blackhawks and Golden Knights game five will start at 930 p.m. on Tuesday night. Another late start, boys and girls. I was wondering if your camera feed froze on that one. Shay, all I saw no. was you just slowly kind of go. Oh. It was I like just, you powered down to do the fart noise. Did, that was I, beautiful. I just slowly died. That's all. <laughs> That's all that happened. All right, let's take a quick time out, uh, regroup. James and I will talk off the air. You can't hear us anymore. We're off the air, so we can say all this bad stuff about you guys. Um, not that we do that. But thank you for tuning in to Hot Mike. Thank you for tuning in to the Madhouse Podcast. Again, if you want to hit up that tip jar, big night in a tip jar. Thank you, everybody who's headed up so far. Uh, we appreciate the recognition uh, that James and I have sort of sacrificed our weekends to do these things for you guys. If you're listening traditionally, we've got a Patreon website, patreon.com slash madhouse pod. I will show the hot mic people here. I've got the stickers that you get. If you pledge, there's the madhouse podcast sticker. We got smaller ones. We got a t-shirt here. Very nice. If you pledge 20 a month, you get the t-shirt. 
all kinds of good stuff. So we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back with a whole lot more, and we'll preview Game 5, which I can't believe it's happening, on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I shouldn't be eating soap in the break. I'm sorry. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jay Zawoski. He's James Neveau right there chugging his Labette Blue. Thanks for joining us on Hot Mike. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Madhouse Podcast. By the way, everyone on the Hot Mike thing says we're twins. Look, we have similar glasses. Yes. We have like little blue highlights on the side there. James is our just standard black. We both have beards, and I think that's where it ends. James is much handsomer than I. Give him the credit. Yeah, I disagree with that, Jay. I think that your uh, gingerness and that little floof that you have in your hair, I love it, man. Did I tell you what happened with my haircut? I did not. You did not. What happened? I was supposed to get a haircut on Thursday, and I show up, and the power's out in the building, so I have to wait until Tuesday. Uh, I was biting soap when we came back from the break. That's my Dr. Squatch cold brew cleanse. Amazing. They'll scrub all the dead skin off of you. You're also going to smell amazing with this. Your wife your boyfriend, your husband, everyone's going to love you. Oh, it smells so good. The cool fresh aloe is my other favorite scent holding that one right here. A big thick brick of Dr. Squatch. Go to drsquatch.com. Use that promo code Madhouse. You'll save 20% on your order and you will help the podcast out for sure. So we appreciate that very, very much. You supporting our sponsors and boy, the Madhouse podcast listeners have really jumped on uh, and supported Dr. Squatch. And I know all the time, we get those notes from listeners saying how much they enjoy it. Thank you for that. Pete in the chat just says, love Dr. Squatch. James, I know you just got yours. Oh, so yeah. Thanks to everybody who's jumped on. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. If you're not sure how to spell that, it's Dr. D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H, like Sasquatch. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. Get yourself some thick bricks. Oh, and get yourself that soap saver to protect your investment. I got okay. that one with the uh, bundle that I bought, and it is absolutely a lights lifesaver. Lightsaber? Lightsaber. Lightsaber. Yeah. I know English. Woo! <laughs> yeah, uh, Drupal says Crow's probably a little damp. Maybe send him a bar of Dr. Squatch. We will. He'll need the, whatever has the most hydration in it. We have to send Corey Crawford. I wonder right, if you he sent him a bar of soap if he'd come on the podcast or if he would hate us forever. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be like, oh, well, since you sent me soap, I'll for sure do it now. Um, hey, man. Yeah. Do what you got to do, man. No. Uh, all right. Oh, speaking of that, before we get to listener questions, what James has been saving, a little bit of a uh, programming note. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. on 670 The Score, Rocky Wirtz is going to be a guest of Mully and Haw. You're not going to want to miss it. It's the first time Rocky has been interviewed since firing John McDonough. So there's definitely going to be some news in there. Um I wonder if he'll have any, I mean, the Hawks won tonight, so it changes things a little bit on the Bowman-Cowton conversation. But just remember, Rocky Ward said, I'm very happy with the front office. I'm very happy with John. And then months later, fired John McDonough. So we'll see. This offseason can be full of surprises. But again, 7 a.m. on Monday, Rocky Wirtz will be a guest of Mullion Haw. If you're hearing this after that, go to the radio.com app, fire up 670 the score. You can use that rewind feature and just, literally drag the time stamp back to 7 a.m. and you'll be able to hear it that way as well. So plenty of options to hear what Rocky words has to say tomorrow. I know I will be listening to every word. James, what do we got from the listeners here? Well, first, if we're going to be doing uh, shameless plugs for 670 to score, I'll be on with Lawrence Holmes tomorrow afternoon at 1240 to discuss Blackhawks and Golden Knights game four and to preview game five. So Lawrence has been kind enough to have me on his show after each uh, Blackhawks game during this round against the Golden Knights and going to continue to do that because apparently he hasn't learned his lesson. So I'll be back on the score again tomorrow afternoon. So with that being said, I still have a couple of questions here in the chat. I do have one from Nate who asked, when did Oli Mata start remembering how to play hockey? And I do have to say, both offensively and defensively, Oli Mata has not looked bad in this series. And in fact, I would even venture to say, Jay Zawoski, he's looked pretty good. I have been a fan of Oli Mata since day one. Look, he's not a top two defenseman. He's probably not top three. He's a four. He's a five, but a very solid one at that. I, you know, he's not Duncan Keith. He's not Brent Burns. He's just not, but he's going to go out there and more often than not do good things rather than bad. He looked like ass against Connor McDavid. Join the club. 
He makes everybody look bad. And when you're a slow skater, like Connor, like, like only Mata, you're going to look extra bad. So, I mean, look, we can't judge anybody by how they perform against Connor McDavid. I think overall he was pretty good this year. The Hawks have a bad defense. That is the fact of the matter. Even Duncan Keith at this point is a good two, really good three, right? But he's 37 years old. They don't have your yeah. number one yet. And one thing I want to get to, by the way, um, that sort of jogged my memory. We've compared Vegas a lot to like the Hawks dynasty teams of having the ability to roll four lines. Here's something that it really stood out tonight in the difference between these Hawks and the dynasty Hawks, the ability to put a pass on the money and receive a pass cleanly. Oh my God. There were so many chances in this game where the Hawks had someone breaking and the pass was just off or they would receive the pass too hard and it would bounce into the bounce away from them. When they were the dynasty Blackhawks, it was crisp. Boom, boom, boom. Pass on the tape over and over and over again in stride. And that's why they were so hard to stop. Adam Bokus had a moment where Kubalik was breaking. Bokus had no pressure on him and put the puck at his skates. Yep. It happened twice to him on the yeah. same freaking shift. He had two straight breaks and neither one of those passes connected. Yeah, and that and that's see when you talk about depth, it's having guys that can execute your game plan top to bottom, and that's what Joel Quenville had. That's why you had so many guys like Johnny Oduya, Brian Campbell, Nicoletti. They're all different level of player, but they played the similar style of game, right? They all had the ability to get the puck out with accuracy, with speed, those long stretch passes, and because of that. They didn't have to count on the forwards helping out so much on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Of the zone. They were more free-flowing offense. It's all, it, it's all, it avalanches onto itself. Without good clearing passes, you're not going to be able to get out of the zone. It's very obvious, but man, tonight it really showed every pass was off the money. Yep. The one thing that was actually on the money for the Blackhawks tonight and has been for quite some time now is their penalty kill. We mentioned that earlier. I believe they're at, what, 14, 15 straight? successful kills now or something like that ever since that Vegas game or the first game against Edmonton sorry they have been so good on the penalty kill that continued tonight will brought up the two on four keeping away of the puck from Vegas on the PK I thought that was pretty good stuff man that just the entire game honestly whether it was camp carpenter Taves, anybody like those guys all are doing such a good job of like disrupting those passing lanes and really keeping Vegas from getting any significantly great opportunities on the power play. Like they've held them without a goal in this series on the man advantage. Am I wrong? Like they have been so effective in this series. Yeah. I think the last power play goal they allowed was game two in Edmonton. Is that right? Maybe game three. I think it's game three, probably. Game three and and they, they they all ran together because all Dreisaitl and McDavid would do is score. So. And there was one that came like a second after it expired that actually doesn't count as a power play goal, but there was one of those two. But still, the penalty kill has been terrific. Um, all right, let's get to some listener questions. Uh, these have been listener questions. Oh, Where have I, you been? I don't know. Uh, Lewis Z, who I can only assume is another one of your cousins since you have 1,800 of them. Nope. Uh, why do hockey players say obviously so often? It is a crutch of uh, it's. I don't know. A lot of inexperienced broadcasters do it too. Uh, I have a crutch. I, I don't want to reveal it because everyone will now hear it, so I'm not going to say what it is. But I'm very aware of it. And uh, hockey players, it's for sure. They say all the time, oh, for sure. Uh, and obviously, I think they say that because they're telling you what happened, even though they know everybody already knows that. Obviously, we have to be better to win, but you know what I mean? So they're trying to make the thought work. And Eric brings up a good point. Sometimes interviewers ask dumb questions. Well, sometimes interviewers do just need the players to say the words because you don't want to just, I guess, write it yourself. I don't know. I ain't got nothing. I... I I, I can't uh, come up with a better argument than that. I think he's probably right online. Yeah. All right. Uh, I did see a listener question. I apologize. I did not get the name on this one. Should the Blackhawks buy out Calvin DeHaan instead of Ole Mata? I think it's dangerous to make a decision on Calvin DeHaan based on tonight. The entire team was bad tonight. He was the worst. There's no doubt. 
But overall, I think most people are very satisfied with Kelvin DeHaan's play. Keep in mind uh, that he's come back from an injury, had to not only do that, but he had to get in shape too uh, to be ready to play. He did that. He's been overwhelming, not overwhelming, but he's been mostly a positive throughout these playoffs and throughout his Hawks career. Uh, he was their best defenseman for long stretches of the regular season this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really bad game tonight. You also have to look who he played with tonight, honestly. Like, he, he played so many shifts with Adam Boquist tonight. And as much as you and I have, like, loved on Adam Boquist and said that this is going to be a learning experience for him, the fact remains that playing with him is really difficult for any defenseman. And it really, I thought help to kind of like drive down Calvin DeHaan's numbers tonight. Sure. And uh, Bogus is is struggling out there. There's no doubt about it. But this is one of the perks of having this unexpected playoff experience for these guys is he gets to see, you know, what playoff hockey's like. And he needs to, now he sees the level he needs to get to. Yep. To be a contributor. And look, he turned 20 yesterday. I'm not worried about Adam Bogus yet. I'm not. I, I just think that. We've seen a lot of really good things from him so far in his career, and it's been a tough playoff for him. It's been a tough playoff for all the Blackhawks against Vegas. Let's be honest about it. Yep. Um, I'm, I have not lost any faith in Adam Boquist. Alex B. asked us the question, we cheering for the Canucks tonight, boys? I can't believe I'm doing it, but also FSDL. Well, yes. duh, we're rooting for Vancouver. No, this is the stated view of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You can print this. F St. Louis forever and ever. Amen. That's yeah. That's like hidden in all the show notes. Oh, by the <laughs> way, F St. Louis. Forever. If you play the uh, podcast backwards, it's actually just say us saying F St. Louis over and over again. Paul is dead. F St. Louis. Paul <laughs> is dead. F St. Yeah. Louis. Yep. Uh, speaking of dead, this is a little bit um, weird to bring up, but I, I have to, because I saw it a couple times tonight and I was the golf Chicago show or whatever it's called. Uh, that airs on NBC Sports Chicago. It's like the weekend stuff where they go golfing and they show golf courses and stuff. Uh huh. We've got great celebrity interviews. Who'd they show? Stan Makita. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's slightly awkward, bud. Might be time to update update the B roll. I'm just saying. By the way, today is the five year anniversary of the day me and Hope went into the Buffalo Wild Wings in Bolingbrook. And Stan Makita was just sitting there, <laughs> just sitting there. Like, was he eating you know, or was he no, just like, he was in like the holding area waiting for a table. He had like, to wait for a table. I don't think Stan's the kind of guy who goes like, do you know who I am? And they'd be like, no. And he said, I'm Stan Makita. And they would go, who? <laughs> the, the st- I don't think the staff at B-dubs is familiar with Stan Makita. Well, this just makes me upset because that should never have happened. Damn it. I thought you were going to bring up the fact this is the anniversary of Elvis dying and the anniversary of uh, Aretha Franklin dying. Uh, I did not bring that up, but you're right. So, you're yeah, right. we're just going to keep talking about death, I guess. Dead people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about game five. Uh, what changes are being made for you? I'm assuming you're taking the lender out again. Well, apparently that's never going to happen, no matter what he does. So I'm just going to go ahead and say no, like apparently no changes will be made. I think the only thing we might, might see is Patrick Kane getting a little bit of time off in the first period of uh, the game because he played a ton this weekend. And I think that if Colleton's willing to do that with a guy like Taves, he might be willing to do it just a little with Patrick Kane. Maybe we'll see him play 22 minutes instead of 25. Speaking of uh, JC, um, does he is he not aware of the fact that they have timeouts? Is he also not aware of the fact that he gets last line change and for some reason he keeps like kind of ignoring that? And he's, is he also not aware that when you're up a goal late, you probably don't want Patrick Kane on the ice? <laughs> he could have called a timeout last night and gotten Jonathan Tabes back out on the ice for the uh, last couple minutes of that game, and he didn't. I don't understand that. You, I mean, it happened again today. Like, late in the game, dude, you've got a timeout. Use it. I know you're giving the Knights a break, too, but... You've got very few guys that I trust to keep the puck out of the back of the net. It doesn't matter that you're giving them a break. The more important thing is that your guys get a break. 
<sighs> My goodness, man. But I, I thought we would make it through the entire podcast without bad-mouthing Jeremy Colleton. But once again, he makes that impossible. Mr. I'm going to have Alex Nylander play more time in the first period than Drake Kajula, Dominic Kubalik, and Jonathan Taves. Marlo says in the chat, Jer- Jeremy Colleton gets a bonus for unused timeouts. That must be it. That's got to be it. All right, before we wrap up, I forgot to tell you guys about our friends at Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market, coming soon to Tinley Park and other places around you. I saw if you're if you're familiar with Tinley Park, they're moving into the building where fajitas used to be on Harlem. That means Fry the Coop drive through. Oh hell yes, I'm going to be roly poly so fat. <laughs> I'm already fat, but a drive through Fry the Coop that's bad news for me. Anyway, go there, try the hot chicken. It is the best you'll ever have. I am a hot chicken fan. And uh, I've tried all the great places in Nashville and all of them, none of them to me, hold a candle to fry the coop. They've got chicken sandwiches, chicken tenders, the donut fried chicken sandwich, chicken and waffles. Everything there is terrific. You can get it without heat. You can get it with heat that could possibly kill you. Whatever you need, fry the coop's got it. And you are going to love it. Just like Dr. Squatch, people try fry the coop the first time. And they're like, damn, you're right. This is really good. I know. I don't lie to you people. So, all right. Game five. Let's see if the Hawks can keep it going. That would be absolutely amazing if they could force a game six. I'll take it. I'll take any hockey I can with the Blackhawks in it. But man, this was a, uh, I don't want to say fun, but it was definitely entertaining. And uh, when it was over, I was very, very happy that we're not ending the season on this podcast. Well, you're darn right, man. And I'm happy that we get to do at least one more show during these playoffs. And heck, let's just keep it going, man. That's that's what we got to do. Like the Blackhawks, they're going to have to keep stealing games. Like I'm not going to say it's always going to be this rough, but these are the kind of games the Blackhawks are going to have to win. They're going to have to find ways to steal these matchups. And you know what? They finally got some puck luck tonight, and they finally got a W, baby. Let's roll to Tuesday. That was great. Can't wait. We'll talk to you late night on Tuesday. Download that Hot Mike app. Join us on Tuesday. Hotmike.io is the website, but you can get it in your app store either on uh, iOS or Android. Just search Hot Mike. You'll get it right there. It's free. You'll be asked to enter a code when you sign up. Enter that code Madhouse. And uh, that will help us out. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. By the way, uh, 89,000 downloads this month alone. I have not even checked today what the numbers are because we've done a podcast since I last checked. But thank you all so very much for your support. We have hit $99 in our tip jar for tonight's show alone. Really, thank you all so much. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to hit us up on Venmo, it's Venmo. Uh, Jay Zawaski is the username. I split all that money with James, obviously 50-50. I just sent you a payment, by the way, James. I hope you got it. Let's wrap it up, though. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday night. Actually, probably Wednesday morning, technically. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger. Your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.